I'm sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. When I'm bad. End of question and answer period. Hi guys, this is High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker. And later in the episode, I'm going to have a great conversation with Mr. Brad Evans about Gus Van Sant's My Own Private Idaho. But first, it is Monday, December 9th, 2019, and it is the morning of the Golden Globe nominations. Uh, now, if you know anything about me or have listened to this podcast before, you know I am deeply sick in the head and love following all of these award nominations. And uh, because the Golden Globes are probably like the campiest uh, awards of the year, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about the nominations with, uh, you know her, you love her, she is my writing partner, the co-host of my other podcast, Goop Yourself, and the very first guest on this podcast, Miss Aggie Hewitt. Aggie is calling in from Hollywood, California. I'm calling in from my own apartment because I couldn't find my keys this morning, which is one of the most pathetic things I've ever admitted um, in public. I can't believe it's being recorded, but that's what happened. Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect for our relationship, for this podcast in general. Um, it's perfect. Yeah, it's definitely, I think that's pretty campy. It is. Uh, the, the crackling of an iPhone 8 Plus. Thank you very much. I don't have like a That's 6 okay. or anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we can fix everything in post. So, uh... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, thank you so much for having me on to talk about the Golden Globes. I do love the Golden Globes and I'm very excited to talk about these movies. Yeah. Like, for as far as award shows, because Golden Globes is always like the first big award show of the year. And so for me, it's always the most fun one to watch because like you haven't been watching award shows all year and everyone is like wasted. It's refreshing. Totally. It's like, oh, we're, go we're back in the award show season. Yeah, that's the one where Jack Nicholson bent over and talked out of his butt cheeks like Jim Carrey. Yeah, definitely. That was at the, that was at the Golden Globes, and that was how I learned early on that No, no, no. Yeah, the people, like the actors and stuff don't take themselves too seriously at the Golden Globes. The thing is, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is like a weird cabal of, of 80 foreign journalists that like no one knows their name, they take themselves very sure. seriously, but no one else takes them seriously. You know what else I like about the Golden Globes? Is that the one where every year there's like a Miss Golden Globe and it's like someone's daughter, well, like well, a teenage girl? There used or to be. No, no, it's Miss Golden Globe. There used to be, now it's gender neutral. Now it's just like uh -oh. young Golden Globe of indeterminate gender. Uh, okay, so, that's so more appropriate. It could be a that's boy. But they, yeah, in the past, okay, like Kate Hudson. Dakota Johnson, Bryce Dallas Howard, like all the, you know, they've always, they've all been Miss Golden Globes. I'm glad that they're um, giving more opportunities to young men in Hollywood. That's very important. Yes. Young men whose parents yeah. are in the business definitely need more opportunity. So this is a good step. They need more recognition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know who's going to be Sir or Madam Golden Globe this <laughs> year. <laughs> I guess it'll be a yeah, surprise. Or in the or genderless. Right, right, right. Non-binary. Yeah. Um, all right, let's yeah. stop before we... <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm no, no, sorry. no. <laughs> sorry, I came on your podcast and said this. Okay. Oh, it's perfect. You um, know, uh, Aggie, okay. this is an LGBT podcast, so watch your mouth. I'm saying it could be any gender. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, oh yeah, so we're going to just talk about the movie ones, because this is a movie podcast. The TV ones, you can look it up. The TV ones are always, like, super crazy, because it's very off-season, because it's, like, six months away from the Emmys, so the I never yeah. really understand what's even, like, eligible for the TV Golden Globes. I think it's too much. Do you really need to do the TV and movies in one? I guess everybody needs their niche, and that's, like, the one thing that, you know, sets the Golden Globes apart, that I've got both. Yeah. But it's just, it's a lot. Like, how can you, like, how dare you say that you're an expert in all things entertainment well i do like it like when you're watching it because it's like everyone's together in one room and i think it's gotten a little bit better but like before the tv people would always be in way in back and like it would be like um like a montgomery bus situation uh where it was very segregated but now because so many big movie stars are doing tv i think it's like a little more integrated perhaps uh but yeah, it'll be funny to see Meryl Streep because Meryl Streep got nominated for Big Little Lies. Like she is not, she's like, you know, on the TV side this year, which is strange. Yeah, go in the TV corner, Meryl. Yep. Way in back oh. with Reese and Nicole. Elevate. Just like the losers it's that you elevate are. elevate the TV room. The TV section. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's, um, oh, and the other thing about award shows in general, but the Golden Globes specifically Snubs and surprises. I love a snub. I love a surprise. Okay, and I've seen some of I've seen what some of these nominees are in some of these movies, but I haven't seen all of the I haven't seen all of the the like categories yet, and I also definitely haven't seen all the movies. So, oh yeah, I don't think anyone uh, has seen all the movies because some of them haven't even come out yet um, to to, yeah, to normal people. Um, okay. But yeah, we'll start. I I just have the the Vanity Fair. I think they're all sort of in the same order, but we'll just start with. I have the Hollywood Reporter. Um, cool. So we got two points of view. Um, (laughs) We'll start with Best Picture, Drama. And the nominees are 1917, The Irishman, Joker, The Two Popes, and Marriage Story. What do you think? Well, here's what I think. I I don't even know what 1917 is. That's the war movie Um, that is like supposedly taken in one shot, but it hasn't come out yet. Okay. I don't want to see that, but I probably will because now that's nominated. The Two Popes I desperately want to see. I haven't seen that yet, but I think it seems very sweet because I like the Two Popes like dancing around together and stuff. I haven't even seen a trailer and, for that yet, but I, I'm worried that it's going to be like a little too soft on the Catholic Church. It's just going to be like, oh, these are two nice popes doing nice things for people. It might be. I don't know. The, the trailer was definitely soft on the Catholic Church, but I mean, I'm okay with I, I don't, I'm fine, I don't care. Yeah. Well, no, that's not true. I do care. I do think this Catholic Church is, God, I'm getting in all kinds of, I'm saying all kinds of fucking stuff. <laughs> like, I think it just seems like a sweet movie about these, like, two old, I don't know, these two old popes, and I just think it seems cute. It'll be, it'll be like the Green Book of this year, but with popes. <laughs> oh, Brian, at this point, every single movie to you is the Green Book, and well, you don't mean it. <laughs> that's true. I, yeah, I have, I have I complained. Heard you know, this is the movie I've heard you compare to the Green Book and they've all been in wildly different genres. <laughs> Wait, because Jojo Rabbit is also the Green Book of this green year for book. me. And what was the, the third Nightingale one? Is oh, the, the Green the, Book. Oh yeah, I did say and the Nightingale. The Two Popes is the Green Book. 
the Nightingale uh, snubbed for Golden Globes. I think it was, it's a little a little too much for the uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Well, it's also technically it's technically a 2018. Oh, but I think it was it would have been eligible because it was released in America in 2019. But oh, I see. Um, well, I it's think. a bit. Um, it's kind of intense for people, yeah. but I. Yeah, you just saw it recently. Um, it's mm-hmm. harrowing. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it's a harrowing film. Okay. Then we have uh, a movie that you're very familiar with. You're the only person I know who has seen it twice all the way through. The Irishman. It's not the only movie. It's not the only movie on this list that I've seen twice. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I loved The Irishman. I I thought The Irishman was absolutely fantastic. I thought um, the digital look, the digital aging technology. Okay, that's another one for you, Brian. That's another one for the camp. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> for the camp people, I would say. Especially when Robert De Niro is like, um, killing, is like in the World War Two. Oh my God. <laughs> and also the scene and where Robert De Niro is like beating up the guy. Sorry if you haven't seen the Irishman yet, but like there's a scene where he's like beating this guy up and everyone's like, oh no, you're so tough and strong. And it's like a young Robert De Niro head like plastered on Robert De Niro's 80 year old body and it's, um, weird, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's like, lu- he's like lumbering him around like an old man, but with like a smooth face. And I've heard people be like, oh no, it's on purpose. That like, it really is, uh, it's to show that like, he's always been this like sad old man at heart and Scorsese was doing all this on purpose. And I don't know that yeah. I buy that. I don't know that that's true, but I don't know that it was like, oh, this is going to like really show everybody like the perils of mafia violence or whatever. But I also felt that it, 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 it enhanced the viewing experience and it made it more poignant and it made it very upsetting so that I mean it was I did think that it was interesting and it added to the movie but I wouldn't necessarily I don't think that they were like I don't think anybody knew before they did it that it was going to look like that I think they were just like let's make this and then they saw it and they were like I kind of like it so let's keep it for sure and yeah yeah, it does lend like an eeriness to those scenes that I I agree with you it like doesn't take away from the movie at all to me this movie I did really really like it I watched it all the way through but it's not there's a few other movies this year that I'm like more passionate about yeah and I did see this movie twice um and twice in theaters um which is a commitment and the second time I saw it I liked it more than the first time um I, I think after I first, the first time I thought I told you, I thought that it was Martin Scorsese's Under the Silver Lake because it was just, like, all of these, like, fun conspiracy theories about, like, who killed JFK. That's true, yeah. And I, but I, I felt like I learned so much that I was also entertained, but I learned a lot about, like, Jimmy Hoffa and the Mafia and JFK. Yeah, I didn't know much about uh, all that stuff. Like, I never saw the Jack Nicholson Jimmy Hoffa movie. Um, so that no, was all that was all really interesting. And, like, the period details are, are gorgeous. Um Anna Paquin, all star. Uh, Anna Paquin was great. Man. She's great, yeah. Um, then we have well, a movie that we two are in the minority about, uh, Joker, mm-hmm. which we both love. That's, that's the other one I saw twice. You did see it twice. Wow, I still only see it once. Grace and Beard, and I also love Joker very much. I thought it was like I loved Joaquin Phoenix. I loved like. I loved Robert De Niro. I loved the period stuff. I loved uh, the Joker origin story. I loved his relationship with little Batman yeah. and the Bruce Wayne family and how fucked up they were. I loved uh, I loved it. I Yeah, I was just totally riveted through that movie. I think you could, you know, you could pick it apart 
but for this category at least, I think it it deserves to to be in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of but okay. Oh, then the last movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I just watched it the other night. Is Marriage Story? Have you seen I it? I have seen it. I watched it last night. Mm. I loved Marriage Story. I, I think Marriage. Go ahead. I think Marriage Story is maybe my favorite movie this year. I think so too. I think it's like yeah. That's definitely it's maybe that and and Parasite might be like knocking around my top one and two right now. But I was just, I mean, enamored with this movie. I loved it so so much. Yeah, and I tend to, I don't really like watching movies at home. I prefer to see them in the theater. And if they're, like, in the, on Netflix and you can see it in the movies, I try to see it in the theater, but I didn't get a chance to see this one. And, I like, it's harder for me to pay attention to a movie and to, like, get a real, like, impact, like, to have it really impact me. But, um, I mean, this movie, I was, like, the scene where Scarlett Johansson is, like, telling Laura Dern about like, the things that happen in her marriage, I audibly, I went, like, ugh, like, out loud when she, when she, when she says that, um, he wanted to put the money from her TV show back into his theater company, I was, like, ugh, and then, um, when he sings that Sondheim song, I was, like, this is, like, an important moment in a movie, like, I, I was, like, this is incredible yeah it was so great it It, was so good like so sort of unnecessary as far as the plot's concerned but like such an amazing yeah like all-time moment and and even when um when scarlett johansson and Merritt weaver and julie haggerty sing uh the other sondheim song before that it was was great too i was like oh this is this is these people and you never hear them talk about sondheim before but obviously like they both share this love for sondheim so it's just like a a really cool detail there are theater people and like yeah. these are things that they would reference and know about and care about and even if and it may not have much to do with the story that we're seeing but it's like it it colors in the character yeah absolutely i uh, loved it yeah i was just i love I, that movie oh god yeah i i have such passion for that movie uh and I, everyone was so good laura dern was amazing oh, alan alda oh my Ray god Liotta. what's his name alan alda and also um wallace uh, oh yeah wallace sean well, Sean. Martha Kelly from which, Baskets is amazing in it. Um, which one was she? She was she's the uh, the lady towards the end who comes and visits uh, Adam Driver and his son at home to watch. Oh yeah, I didn't know what I recognized her from, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, it was so good. You should see Marriage Story if you haven't. Yeah, I, that's one I definitely like even more than any of these other ones. That's one that I want to watch a second time. Yeah. And you can if you're if uh, you have Netflix. You can watch it over and over again for like ten dollars a month or something. I don't know. I don't pay for my own. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on to best picture comedy musical. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Dolomite is my name. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Dolomite is my name. Oh, oh are we? Re- oh yeah. No, let's. Here, I'll say all of them. Dolomite is my name. Knives Out. Jojo Rabbit. Once Upon a Time. Dot 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 in Hollywood. And Rocket Man. Um, Brian, sorry, it's Once Upon a Time in dot 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 Hollywood. Oh, according to Vanity Fair, it's Once Upon a Time dot 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 in Hollywood. So maybe that is a typo on Vanity Fair's part. Or maybe it's a typo in the Hollywood Reporter typo. Where is the dot dot dot? Mr. Tarantino, hello. Can you clear this up? We gotta ask Quentin Tarantino about that one. Uh, So, Dolmite is my name, another Netflix movie. You saw it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it. I really liked it. I like Dolomite is my name a lot. I thought, um, I, I love Rudy Ray Moore. 
I really thought Eddie Murphy was great. I thought it was a very sweet and great story about just, like, the background of this person who... Um, I think Rudy Ray Moore is camp, don't you? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah, um, in the tradition of uh, Ed Wood and Tommy Wiseau and these sort of outsider artists that um, that put to, that put together a career on their own terms, and uh, even though they might not be like technically proficient, they mean a lot to people. And it's it, yeah, this movie was very touching. I thought. Yeah, I thought it was very touching, and I um, yeah, I loved it. I I really liked Dolomite as my name. I like. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it's a perfect nominee for this this comedy musical category. I wish. I wish that this had that had come out in theaters too. I would rather. Have, did that come out in theaters? Yeah, at well, all? barely because it was not. So they they played it at the New Bev like every night at midnight for a week or two, um, and I think it might have had a very limited release other places, but yeah, barely came out in theaters because it's a Netflix movie. I, I mean, almost every movie is. If I see a movie on TV, I it, it really almost never has the emotional impact that it would have if I saw it in the theater. It's like a really big difference. It's true, which I was surprised about Marriage Story because I was like, oh, I wish I'd seen this in the theater. But then when I was watching it the other night, I was just home by myself and I like didn't check my phone once. Like I I was just completely riveted as if I was in the theater. I was too. That's why I, that's kind of why I'm like so amazed by Marriage Story because I was like, it was a, it felt like I was in a movie theater my experience watching it, but I was watching it at home. It was, it was just like that. Then. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we have okay. Knives Out. Did you see this one? Uh, yeah, I love Knives Out. I thought. Um, I thought. Well, I I loved uh, Tony Collette plays <laughs> a character that I think reminded me of someone we talk about oh, a lot on our on our podcast. Perhaps. Uh, not just Gwyneth, perhaps. House, not Gwyneth. Oh, but no. I would say Amanda Sean Paul Bacon. Oh, she is like an Amanda. Yeah, because she. She's more of an Amanda I think you're right. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of it that way. But um, because Gwen, she doesn't have the empire that Gwen has. She doesn't. She can't stand on her own two feet. She's just like from a rich family and is into this like stupid bullshit, which is like what a lot of the Gwyneth hangers on are like. Yeah, a lot of people that are profiled on Goop, uh, like these. You, you, you. Oh, they have like an online toy store business, and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you realize their husband is like a hedge fund millionaire, and you're like, oh, I get it. Like she, she seemed like someone who'd be profiled on Goop, oh and especially God. her, like her dress that she's wearing, like that, like prairie, like pink prairie dress thing, is like so. Like that's like what all those people look like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, loved it, and she. And, I, I um, love her. She just can like go so broad and still be so like natural and realistic in a way that few actors can. She's like one of my favorite actors. I love her so much, and I'm so glad that um, she still gets to do like she gets to do stuff like this. You know, yeah. I I love her, and I also you know whatever Chris Evans. Yeah, that's him, right? Captain America. He is so fun. I love him, and then I also love whatever James Bond. What's his name? Oh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, he was great. He was fun. Daniel Craig was so good. Everybody was good. Uh, yeah, the whole it. ensemble. Again, this is a perfect comedy musical um, nominee. I think Ryan Johnson probably has a chance of getting nominated for an Oscar for screenplay. I don't know that this sure. is like a best picture in contention for best picture, but you never know. It's popular. People like it. It was very, I mean, it was really good. It's mm. hard when it's, well, I think that they're all kind of, when we talk about the next one that they're, competing with it seems kind of unfair but yeah 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 anyway 
Um, next up is Jojo Rabbit. Now, you oh, like no, this better than this I do. I'm sorry. That's on my list is different. I wasn't going to compare. I wasn't saying compared to Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, they, hey, the Golden Globes are comparing them. I love Jojo Rabbit. I thought Jojo, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm just like a weirdo. I just like every movie, but I thought Jojo Rabbit was so sweet and so cute. I thought Chico Watiti is amazing director. I think that, like, I really like the Marvel movies and I really like his, like, Thor Ragnarok and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think are the best ones, and I love someone who can who's really good at directing like fight and action and violence in a way that like I can follow what's happening in it and it's entertaining. That's a very I think like specific skill that not a lot of people have, um, and that he also has like a, he also wants to tell an emotional story about like, the way that he sees the world, I think is a really, I just think that's, like, a very special kind of artist, and I really like him a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I was less into this movie. I thought, like, the performances, especially, um, the kid, who we'll get to a little bit later, was amazing. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. For me, I just, I wasn't laughing that hard at the funny parts, and then the touching parts, I was just not really affected by either. I think, his, yeah, his, his humor, to me, is just a little silly and um but i i totally get i get why why people are really into this movie so um yeah i definitely cried several times watching this movie and this was another Garlic Johansson performance yeah. that i thought was really good and she's yeah, yeah she's very good in it um now we yeah. have a a little bit of category fraud perhaps i don't know once upon a time in hollywood is comedy musical what do you think about that this is the one this is the one where i was like it's kind of hard for any of us to compare it to this next one and then you're like jojo rabbit yeah. and then i was like oh no i meant because it's like I think that um, it's not a comedy. I mean, it's just not. No, it's not. It's like it's one of the least comedic of Quentin Tarantino's movies. I mean, there's funny moments in it for sure. Uh, I mean, every movie has funny moments in it, but is that the only? I mean, is that the case in every movie's comedy musical? And that's I don't sure for drama is the Nightingale. Oh, right, that yeah. The field for Nightingale a lot. Wait, does the Nightingale have funny moments in it? No, that's what I'm saying. It's like the only movie I saw all year that didn't have like a single one. But I feel like, I mean, I think a stronger, honestly, a stronger, um, a stronger comedy musical, uh, well, you could make a better defense to put Marriage Story in comedy musical, I think, than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I agree. Yeah, Marriage Story is, is definitely like more of, I mean, there's drama, but it's a, it's sort of a dark comedy in like the Woody Allen mode. There are moments that are just like pure comedy in that. that For are just sure. Like a lot, and so I don't. I the only thing I really can think of why this happened because I, I I think it would have been nominated if it was in drama musical. It's like one of the front runners. I think they maybe were worried about Leo getting a nomination because that drama actor category is so stacked. And so Wait, they Rio. Huh. Leo. What? Rio. Yeah. Because he. What's that? No, Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. <laughs> they were they were worried about him because I, it, he's sort of like on the bubble as far as best actor, and it was like a sure thing if they put it in comedy musical that he would get nominated. That's the only thing I can think of why they did that. Hmm. Um, and now and then we have a true comedy musical. Well, there's drama in it, but it's a musical. It's Rocket Man, which came out early in the this year. Is, um, I think this is a musical, but I don't think it's a comedy. 
That's true. But yeah, I, I think that's okay. Like this, it says comedy slash musical. And this was the, this was the only like pure musical in the category. Cause cats was snubbed. Um, which means um, it's really Rocket bad. Man. I, I like Rocket Man. I Rocket Man was like my, I guess Jojo Rabbit of the year. Like I, I liked it. I didn't like. I mean, I liked it. I yeah, know, it's, it's not. It, it's, it's a it's a good it's a it's a good fun movie. There's great obviously like I love Elton John's music, so it's a great musical numbers. Taron Egerton is is wonderful, but it. It uh, it's not really in this in the same category as a lot of these other movies. I agree. Taron Egerton is incredible yeah. in it, though. He's really really good. Um. Okay. Now we get to best director, which oh boy. So there's only one category for best director, so it really whittles it down. We have Bong Joon Ho, Parasite, <laughs> Sam Mendes, 1917, Todd Phillips, Joker, <laughs> Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um. So. The big, obviously, the big thing that people are freaking out about today is that Todd Phillips got in over literally any woman who's ever directed a movie this year. Um, and, you know, uh, Greta Gerwig, Mariel Heller, Lorraine Scafaria, uh, um, Lulu Wong. There's a ton of great, great movies directed by women this year. And Todd Phillips got in. So what do you think? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just seeing this. I'm not like... I, I don't know. I guess that's an outrageous. Wait, I only the only one who I knew who you said was Greta Gerwig. Oh yeah, Greta Gerwig did little, um, little Women. Little Women. Lorraine Scafaria did Hustlers. Marielle Heller did um, uh, Mr. Rogers one. Uh, and what was the other one I said? Oh, Lulu Wong did The Farewell. So a lot of these are smaller movies. Or uh, Jennifer Kent did The Nightingale. You know, so so maybe these these movies are a little on the smaller scale. Little Women, I think, was Greta Gerwig was the one that people were like, oh, wow, like, because everyone loves her. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm surprised. I I think that, like, I I don't want to, like, put all my ire onto this one person. Sure. Like, I think it's kind of, I laughed when I saw that Todd Phillips was on here for Best Director. I, I, I mean, I like Joker very much. I don't know if it's, like, a best, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I also am, like, in general, not, like, a, ranking this is the best like I like award shows and stuff and I think that they're fun but like I don't have like strong opinions about like this is the best this is the second no, best totally. this is the third best and if you're not on this list then you're crazy I mean I, I, I'm i definitely not like it, I'm not, not. I, I as a woman I'm not bent out of shape that there's no woman on this list because I don't think it takes away from anything that any woman's contributed but if other people are upset then I understand that Absolutely. And uh, Alma Harrell, who directed Honey Boy, had a great sort of thing on Twitter where she basically said what you said, like, uh, this has been an amazing year for women uh, directors. And we like I can't be personally offended that this, you know, weird group of like European shady people like didn't nominate any of us um, because we all made awesome movies. Yeah. So it's okay. It's fine. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. 
Um, the other sort of um, other sort of snub was people were talking. You know, Bombach didn't get nominated either, and that was uh, sort of a little surprising. Oh, that's actually I that is actually surprising too because I I have like I said I haven't seen um, Little Women yet. Yeah, I haven't seen Honey Boy. I haven't seen. I mean, Hustlers was good, but I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. But I and and I also haven't seen Mr. Rogers, and I like actually truly do not want to. Oh, I I I mean I liked it better than I thought I would, and I just I loved because uh, the same director did Can You Ever Forgive Me last year, and I loved that movie so so oh, much. So I, I, th- did, I I didn't see that, but I really want to. Yeah, see that movie. I think she's I a phenomenal director. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess Bombach. I guess people still think of him more as like a writer than a director, Uh, even though this is, I mean, he's directed a lot of good movies, but this one, especially like we were saying, watching it at home, um, you're still able, it's, it's so beautifully composed. And for a movie that's mostly just like people having conversations, it looks, um, it's like really interesting looking. Uh, I thought it was, um, I mean, I don't know. I thought that it looked like, Oh, like every Noah Baumbach, and he's directed. I think of him as a director. I mean, he's directed so many movies. Yeah, yeah. I think just like people, because th- he is so. It's all. It's more, or it's like, I don't know. It's the type of movie that usually gets nominated for screenplay. It's not. It's not showy. He's not a showy director. So I think. Yeah, but I think. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But I. I also think like if you are getting performances like that out of every single person, then like that's also an important part of directing, and that's like, and I, he does have a genuine, genuine like vibe and style. It's just not like, I, which I prefer. I like that style of of directing more than like, I yeah. mean, more than like Todd Phillips. Like mm-hmm. everything is like fucked up, and I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so then we have best actor drama. Couple big snubs and surprises in this one. We have Adam Driver, right. Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, Christian Bale, Ford v Ferrari, and Jonathan Price, The Two Popes. Who snub? Who got snubbed, Aggie? Wait, I thought The Two Popes was a documentary. <laughs> no. Okay, so it's- I'm. That's uh, that's a real uh, compliment to Jonathan Price and um, Anthony Hopkins. If you thought it was a documentary by looking at the trailer, yeah, I did. I thought it was a documentary, from, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, this is a documentary. I don't know. All right, well, good for. I guess I, I guess my money's on Jonathan Price then. Uh, yeah, he fooled you. <laughs> He told me. I thought he was a real pope. Um, but, um, I mean, there's one huge hole missing in this, and that is Mr. Bobby D. Bobby D. Bobby Nero? D. Nero. De Nero. Robert De Niro got snubbed. And also, and then... Um, and Adam and Sandler. Leonardo didn't get nominated. Leonardo's comedy thing. musical. They have a different thing for even the actors, too. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. There's so many categories in this. Okay. Um, my pick would be either Joaquin Phoenix or Adam Driver. Yeah, and I, I think... Joaquin Phoenix was so good in Joker. I, I mean, I can't not think it. I thought it. He was great. He was amazing. I think that that's what people are sort of saying, the races between those two. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's like it's so... You can't compare these two performances. They're both so brilliant. I also think Antonio Banderas, he's like sort of a dark horse, but he is... Uh, unbelievable as well in um, in yeah, Pain and Glory. Pain and Glory is definitely like one of my favorite movies I saw this year. I love that movie. Um, I didn't see Ford versus 
Ferrari, and I don't think I will, but I love, I truly love Christian Bale. Yeah, he is, he is very good in it. It's a, it's a, it's a more fun performance than we're used to seeing from him for a while. So that it was, it was cool to see him. Um, but I love I, it when Christian lets his hair down. Yeah, 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 but. totally. And then, I mean, Jonathan Price, obviously you, I mean, he I looks, he's Pope. a dead ringer for no. Pope Francis. So, so I, I guess, yeah, it was perfect. Um, okay. Now we got best actress drama. This one was a little more less snubby. Um, it was pretty much went to who 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 expected it, who was expected to get nominations. We have uh, okay. Renee Zellweger, Judy, Cynthia Erivo, Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, and Charlize Theron, a Bombshell. Bombshell is the movie that I'm the most excited to see. Uh, that hasn't come out yet. I am too. Like we were talking about this before. It's the same guy that did um, Recount and Game Change, and he does these sort of like fun, soapy political movies, and I love them. So yeah. I'm excited. I love, I love Game Change. Um, and, and I, I love. And oh, I love her in the trailer. Uh, I mean, talk about like a doppelganger. She looks and sounds exactly like Megyn Kelly. So I think she's definitely getting in. Yes, I know. She really does. She really does. She's um, like, um, she's kind of like a chameleon. She's like a, um, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy everyone says is a chameleon? Christian Bale? It no. doesn't matter. No. But anyway, it doesn't matter. She's like a, she's like completely changes herself for like every part. Yeah, totally. Um. And you haven't seen yeah. Judy, I know, right? I haven't seen Judy. I'm sorry. No, that was like a personal, that was my snub to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, um. An insult to all of the listeners of High Camp. I'm sorry, everybody. I was like, why did they make this movie? And like, why is Renee Zellweger doing this? She's and why so good happening? in it, though. It's so crazy. She's I love her so much in it. It's so insane. Um, I Maybe still think I'll she'll care. probably win, but yeah. Um, Wait, you think, who do you think will win? I think Renee will win. Uh, I think Scarlett will win. I See, I, I think Scarlett was wonderful in that movie, but I think that compared with Renee as Judy... Charlize as Megan, Cynthia Riva as Harriet fucking Tubman. Like, Scarlett's performance is a little quiet. Like, I don't know that she, I mean, she's great, but I don't know that she'll, like, be the number one on people's lists. But oh, you know my God. Know. But she did so many, I mean, like, there's so many just shots. There's so many scenes where she's just having, doing a monologue and then, like, bursting into tears. Yeah. No, she is wonderful. I, I, yeah. And they might um, vote for her just because, like, she's sort of, like, controversial and problematic now and people will sort of want to stick it to like um pc woke culture i have no idea yeah it's like the new venice film festival totally. the golden globe um yeah and also i have to say about little women i just love little women very much i love the book i love the 1994 little women and i'm kind of scared about seeing the new little women because i like love the 94 one so much but I will see it. Yeah, I, I love the 94. Like, the 94 one is such a huge, like, formative movie for me when I was, a uh, like, a kid and a teenager. But this, I do trust Greta Gerwig. And from what I've heard, everyone is wonderful in it. I don't know that Saoirse Need Because she's, she's already had... She has, like, four Oscar nominations, and she's, like, 21. It's crazy. But she's very good. Well, um, if you got it. Yeah. The, the, the snubs that I'm a little... Um, miffed about and I thought Cynthia Revo is very good in Harriet which is like a pretty it's fine it's like a standard biopic but she's good in it um but yeah. both Lupita Nyong'o in Us 
and Elizabeth Moss and her smell were like two of the absolute greatest performances of the year. And I was sad to see neither of them make it onto the list. Yeah, I definitely agree about Lupita. I, I didn't see her smell yet either. I, but, um, but us was, I mean, she's definitely the best part of that movie. She really, like, I mean, her performance is... It's crazy. At the end when they're, like, dancing and her whole thing. I actually just rewatched that movie pretty recently. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I've only seen it the one time, but I loved it. And it, it, it's sort of like um, Tony Collette and Hereditary last year. That's, like, this great performance, but it's in, like, a genre movie, so it probably won't get um, rewarded as much. Yeah. Um, now we have Best Actor Comedy Musical. So it is Daniel Craig, Knives Out, Roman Griffith Davis, Roman Griffin Davis, Jojo Rabbit, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Taron Egerton, Rocketman, and Eddie Murphy, Dolomite is my name. Um, this is solid. I have no complaints with this list. Yeah, I have no. Com- I mean, I have no complaints with any of the list. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> all, I'm looking at all of them. I was, I was thinking that Roman Griffin Davis wasn't going to get in because the Golden Globes traditionally don't reward child performances. But looking at like I think the, that's other, good. he was so good, and I was like, who else is it going to be? Like Will Smith and Aladdin? Like I don't know who else would even be on. Like this, these, this five just seems like the five. Um. Yeah, I mean, are these? These are just like the main actors from the from the movies that were nominated in this category, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. Five for five. Yeah, so that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I, that, that seems fair to me. Yeah. <laughs> that works. I um, mean, yeah, Daniel Craig, okay, the little kid from Jojo Rabbit was so good. I actually loved him very much. I yeah, I, I, really good. I have to say, the one thing I do like better about Jojo Rabbit than Marriage Story, I thought the main kid is better in Jojo Rabbit than the kid in Marriage Story. Than Marriage Story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he, I mean, the kid Jojo Rabbit is like in every like it's his movie. Yeah. The kid, it's, the, the kid in Marriage Story is like accessory to their relationship. Um, and then Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I mean, I just think it's like I think he should be in the drama category, but I do think that that was one of the best performances um, of the year for sure. Maybe of the like my life that I've ever seen that in the his performance and. Yeah, it might be his. Be- well, I don't know. I say that like I saw. I said that with um, what was the Scors the other the Scorsese movie that he just did uh, about Wall Street. Um, oh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. That one was amazing. Yeah. Like he's he's great in everything, and he only does a movie like once every three or four years, but it's always an event. Yeah, because he's like a he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. He's really good, and he's. He was great in that movie, and he's great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. I don't know. This is another one where I'm like, how do you compare that performance to, like, Daniel Craig, to, like, any of these other performances? Yeah. Where it's just like, I'm a quick, I'm a, I mean, except for maybe Karen Edgerton. And, I mean, and I guess even Eddie Murphy in Dolomite is My Name, it didn't feel like he was doing as much of, like, a, it felt like Eddie Murphy doing it. Yeah, like, well, and Eddie that, Murphy, it wasn't like, like, I feel like Eddie Murphy could be pushed so much further than he was in Dolomite. Like it was sort of a subdued performance and it was great, but uh-huh. you're like, Oh, Eddie Murphy can do way more than he was asked to do in that movie. Whereas like with Leo, you're like, Oh, this is ev- like everything you can do is like wrapped up in this performance. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you really compare any of these other performances to the Leo. Performance yeah. So I bet you, I bet you that's why they submitted him in that category. Cause they knew he was going to win. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unfair, yeah. but whatever. Um, now we have Best Actress Comedy Musical. We have Aquafina from The Farewell, Ana de Armas from Knives Out, 
uh, Kate Blanchett from Where'd You Go Bernadette, Beanie Feldstein from Booksmart, and Emma Thompson from Late Night. Um, uh, not the strongest category. No, I don't think so at all. Well, I didn't see The Farewell because I'm like, I don't want to see a movie about like um, a grandma dying. Oh, yeah. It was so very I good and she's good it. in it. And then Where'd You Go Bernadette? I mean, Kate Blanchett, I guess I didn't see it, but I feel like if Kate Blanchett's in a category, just like give it to Kate Blanchett. Yeah, and that, that movie is, I, I actually like that movie better than most people. She is... I mean, I always love Kate Blanchett, but she's phenomenal in it. Like, she's so good. Um, Anna de Armas is was great in Knives Out. Like, she was sort of the the one unknown actor that had a big part in that movie. So it's cool that she uh, is recognized for it. And she's going to be a huge star. She's in the new James Bond movie coming up. Um, uh-huh. Beanie Feldstein is another person who's, like, going to be, if not already, a huge star. She's going to be playing Monica Lewinsky in the Clinton thing very soon. Um, and she's great in Booksmart. The one where I'm like, eh. Emma Thompson is fine in Late Night, but Late Night is not a very good movie, and it just seemed like they needed to fill out the category. Yeah, and I feel like they could have probably, like, done a little bit more and found somebody that was, like... Yeah. I feel like, yeah, it kind of feels like a, like, I don't know. Yeah, do Charlize but... again from Longshot. Charlize was amazing in Longshot. Uh, yeah, Charlize in two. Why not? Yeah. Uh, now we come to Best Supporting Actor. And so now these the, the supporting categories, the um, uh, drama and comedy musical are combined into one. So they're extra competitive. We have Al Pacino, The Irishman, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Joe Pesci, The Irishman. And is it Anthony Hopkins or is it actually the Nazi Pope? <laughs> the two popes. We'll never know. Um, wait, why is... Why is, I mean, I didn't see it, but I'm surprised that Tom Hanks is a supporting actor in this movie. Because it's from, it's not from his point of view. It's like this journalist who goes to interview Mr. Rogers. So oh, Mr. Rogers is a supporting journalist. part. It's uh, Matthew Reese. He's great. Okay. Um, but yes, it, it, that is not category fraud. Tom Hanks is a supporting um, character in that movie. Okay. Uh, the one that I'm like, well, I think, I mean, I... I love both Joe Pesci and Al Pacino sort of equally. They're doing, they have very different acting styles. Um, Joe Pesci is probably like the quote unquote better performance. Um, Tom Hanks is very good, but I don't think he's really at the same level. And Brad Pitt, I mean, that movie came out a long time ago. It's He's wonderful too. Um, they're all great. I don't know. I could see any of them winning, honestly. I'm surprised that you think Joe Pesci is the better performance. I thought Al Pacino was like amazing in, in that movie. I, I think... When I saw this list, I was like, oh, Al Pacino. Yeah, he's like showier. I don't know. The Joe, Joe Pesci was, it, it was sort of um, sadder and scarier for me, his performance. Yeah. Uh, they both Joe are Pesci, great, though. Yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just thought Al Pacino and his moments, because his moments with Robert De Niro's daughter, I thought they were really good. I loved Al Pacino in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought that he did have, like, vulnerability. No, he did. Um, he'll, you're, you're right. He probably has more of a chance of winning. Uh, I don't know. The one I'm like sad. I mean, there's a bunch of supporting performances that were great this year that didn't make in, but, uh, Willem Dafoe in the lighthouse. Uh, I was a little surprised he didn't make in because oh, yeah. he, he's, the lighthouse isn't on here anywhere. I, no. The lighthouse is another one of my favorite movies of the year. It's great. I think it might be a little too weird for these, for these jokers. But, weird. Um, yeah. See, yeah. That point doesn't matter. Cause it's like, I don't know the light, like, the Lighthouse was, like, the best movie 
Yeah. I have like one of the best movies that was made this year. For sure. It's like, yeah, it's definitely in my top five. Um, I don't know who else. Yeah, that, but that, that's the only one I can think of that like got snubbed off the top of my head. Uh, apparently people are talking about Jamie Foxx in Just Mercy, which hasn't come out yet. Oh, and Sterling Kane Brown in Waves is amazing. It does seem oh, interesting that it's mostly the like black actors and actresses of color that are that are being snubbed in a lot of these categories. But that's the golden well, book for I mean, you. It's not, it's not surprising at all. But what is yeah. Sterling Kane Brown in? Oh, in Waves, he's the father and he's wonderful in it. Oh yeah, I want to see that because I like Sterling Kane yeah, Brown much because I don't know anything else about it. It's really good. He's great in it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that um, I think I bet you I I still think. Brad Pitt will probably win because I bet you the Irishmans will will cancel each other out a little bit. Yeah, they'll split the vote. Yeah. Now we have Best Supporting Actress. We have, wow, a couple surprises in this one. Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell. Uh, Annette Bening playing my cousin, (laughs) Diane Feinstein, in The Report. Um, Cousin by divorce, guys. I have no connections to the political world. That's true. So I am just a liar. I'm just yeah. a total liar. Uh, Laura Dern yeah. in Marriage Story, Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Um, interesting, interesting. The two sort of snubs people were talking about was Flair- Florence Pugh in Little Women was um, sort of a big contender, and uh, Shaozen Shen, the grandma in um, The Farewell, was supposed to be a big player and uh and Annette Bending and to some extent Kathy Bates were, were big surprises yeah I mean I didn't see I haven't seen Richard Jewell I think Clint Eastwood is insane I probably will see Richard Jewell I cannot wait but... to see it because his, his movies ha- have gotten I mean it is amazing like it's someone like deep in the throes of dementia is still like able to make movies and his movies are like almost surrealistic at this point and I love them I know I I mean, American Sniper was like a window into the mind of American conservatives, and it was a scary and confusing place. Yeah, and The Mule, too, uh, which I, I like, really love that movie, The Mule. It's so fucking crazy, and I imagine oh, that this Mule one's... the Mule is the one where he, like, has to, like, smuggle drugs and then, like, goes to jail, but it's like he shouldn't go to jail because Yeah, he smuggles drugs. Yeah. Drugs and he has like a road trip and he he like sleeps with lots of beautiful women who are literally like sixty years younger than him. Um, oh it's crazy. It's so insane. Yeah, he. Yeah. Oh my god. I, so I'm gonna see it and also like I don't know like I even I, there's something about when um, John Hamm is like say it again. Okay, can we get a couple more? I'm like, oh yeah, John Hamm. Like I'll say it for you. And like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, in the trailer. So just for that alone, I'm like. I'll see that. It is a it is a great trailer. And the guy who plays Richard Jewell, Paul Walter Hauser, he's been so good in um like smaller parts. Like he has a small part in Itania. He's um Jeff Galuli's f- dumb friend in that. He's like the dumb racist in um, Black Klansman. He's really good in that. He's always like great. So I'm so excited to see him in a lead role. Yeah, but it, you know who should have gotten that part? I mean, I'm sure this guy's good. But I bet you that Haley Joel Osment was really oh. trying to get that part. He might be a little young, but yeah, he would have been, that would have been a real comeback story if Haley Joel Osment was Richard Jewell. <laughs> I know. Oh. Well, he, was, he had a big part in my other favorite movie of the year, um, 
extremely wicked, shockingly vile and evil. Oh, that was one of your favorite movies of the year. It was amazing. Yes, it was. Aggie, that's insane. It was great. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I. I don't know, like, as a gay man, to have to choose between Annette Benning, Laura Dern, and Jennifer Lopez is, like, truly um, a Sophie's choice. Okay, well, sorry, Brian, but that's how it goes <laughs> with the Golden Globes. So I'm just going to, I'm going to recuse myself, because I don't know what to say. Uh, I think that's fair. I, I think Jennifer Lopez was incredible, but I just, I mean, but the thing is, like, the other problem with this stuff is, like, I saw Hustlers six months ago or whatever it was. Mm. I saw Marriage Story last night. I thought Laura Dern was um, incredible in that movie. I love Laura Dern so much. I can't, I couldn't love anyone more than I love Laura Dern. I don't think it's possible. No, and I think she is probably the favorite because like she has this body of work uh, she's been nominated a couple times, but she's never won. And like this role, it might not be like her greatest role of all time, but it's like, it's the Laura Derniest. It's like the essence of Laura Dern in a great supporting performance. And so like, this is a way to, to reward her career. Whereas like JLo and again, and JLo is similar totally. Like this is the best, the best version of JLo in a movie. Like this is her jlo but she just doesn't have the roles like to back it up. Like Laura does, I guess. But I, now I'm just remembering how good J-Lo was in that movie. She's amazing. Because when I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, her body looked so good. And she did that dance, and it was so great. But that scene at the end of Hustlers where she's, like, talk, I mean, she really is, like, J-Lo is, like, a really good actress. But I think that sometimes we, like, forget that because she's J-Lo. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean. You know, you're like. She's going to be. It, it wouldn't just be a. It wouldn't just be an award for her, like, amazing, like, strip tease number. It would be an award for, like, all of those, like, quieter scenes that she has with the other women. And she, she, she's really good in that movie. I don't know. Yeah, I think it, this is, this might be, like, the closest race. Like, it's going to, I think it's definitely going to be between the two of them. And it's going to be a race to the finish, I think, as far as Golden Globes and for Oscar. Um, yeah. I think because Laura Dern is, like, considered a little bit more of, like, an actor's actor, and because she is, like, Hollywood royalty, like, she knows everyone in the Academy. She almost was, like, the Academy president president a couple years ago. So I think mm. she, I think she'll probably take it, but yeah, it's gonna be close. Yeah. Um, so now we have Best Screenplay, Noah Baumbach, Marriage Story, Anthony McCartan, The Two Popes, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bong Joon-ho, and Han Jin-wan, Parasite, and Steven Zalian for The Irishman. Uh, haven't seen two popes, but the rest of them, I cannot complain. Yeah, I mean, I think that the um, the Irishman was like, uh, I was, I I had to see the Irishman twice to like understand everything that was going on with like what with like the FBI or not FBI with like Jimmy Hoffa oh, yeah. and the Kennedys and the like the political stuff. I was. I felt like there was something that was, like, didn't quite, it was like they were talking, it was, like, written around a lot of stuff. I don't know. There was some stuff that was, like, sort of confusing about it to me, but. Yeah, I, I think that was that probably on purpose, like, they were, or I don't know, or they just assume people know, but you're right. Like, I think, I think, God, either Marriage Story or Parasite, both of those are, like, 
literally perfect screenplays. Those are just like really good, like clean. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they were just like really good clean stories. And then the, like Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood both seem like they would be like very hard to write and like had like a lot of like moving parts in them. Yeah, they're shaggier. And there's something very like impressive about those scripts. So I don't know. And then Two Popes again, haven't seen. Also, I don't know how you give a the word <laughs> to a screenplay of a documentary. Of a documentary. Yeah, I mean, really unprecedented. Yeah. Um, now we have best original song. This category is always like so stupid. Uh, Beautiful Ghosts, which is the new Taylor Swift movie from Cats, uh, written co-written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Into the Unknown oh from Frozen Two. We all know it. We all, uh, I guess, love it. I have no idea. Spirit from The Lion King by Beyonce, which is like truly a snooze. Um, I'm gonna love me again, which was a new Elton John song from Rocket Man, which I literally have no memory of. And Stand Up. Uh, by Cynthia Erivo, which is really funny. It's like, uh, can you write a song if you if you want an Oscar, Cynthia? Uh, she wrote it for Harriet. I do remember it at the end. It was like a very, um, you know, triumphant song. <laughs> it was good, I guess. Any thoughts? I mean, the only song on this list that I even know how it goes is Into the Unknown, but mm-hmm. I did see Frozen 2 on Saturday with a child, so I I just saw it. But that's the only one that, like, I'm very curious to hear a song that was written by Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if, I don't know that that song is out yet. I know the movie's not out yet, but I, yeah, I don't know if anyone's heard that song. Uh, I can tell, yeah, Spirit is definitely a subpar Beyonce song, and Love Me Again is a subpar Elton John song. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's anyone's guess. moment that you could have at the Golden Globes, like the most fun thing to see was to see like Elton John and Bernie Toppin, whatever, like going and winning an Oscar for it because that movie's all about like their relationship. Oh yeah. So I mean, that's the thing I would want to see on TV the most. I don't know if that's if that's the factor in. Yeah, but, and I don't think he wrote this one with Bernie. Bernie's not. He's on there. Oh, oh, not on, on Vanity Fair. He's not. Okay, cool. Um, and it on, is. Interesting, just shade because obviously Elton John wrote all the original music for The Lion King, and he he had this quote, and Elton John is like so bitchy, which is great. He had a quote saying like he was disappointed in the new version of Elton John because it didn't like forefront his music more. So that's like a good little rivalry between him and Beyonce. Where's the rivalry? Um, the only thing that would be better is is if Madonna was nominated too. <laughs> I know for Madame X the music video yeah Uh, but yeah the the other problem with the Golden Globes is they don't actually perform the songs like they do at the Oscars so this category is sort of dumb oh I actually prefer that because I the the Oscars are boring oh I I like it I like it Um, so we have best original score this is one that I I never usually like remember scores of movies so I don't even know Uh, Little Women which neither of us have seen by Alexander Desplat uh, Hildur Gunten's daughter for, for Joker, Randy Newman for Marriage Story, Thomas Newman for 1917, and uh, Edward Norton paid a few people off because Daniel Pemberton won or is nominated for Motherless Brooklyn, a movie that only I have seen. Okay, well, my money's on Randy Newman. I yeah, except do you? I don't really remember that. I literally watched that movie two days ago, and I do not remember anything about the score. I remember the score pretty well i okay. liked it it was very like randy newman but like kind of like 
woodworky and kind of like, you know, like it was kind of, it's like, it's like Brandy Newman, it's like light and it like kind yeah. of elevates, I think it really like adds to the movie because it makes the whole thing feel a little bit like, I don't know, more joyful than it might if it had like a really depressing score. I see. Yeah. And he's like a name he could win. I do think the one score that I like do remember hearing and it's a big part of it is joker like that is a very intense score so i could i could sort of see that one winning too but i don't remember the score for joker it it was just like oppressive it was like constantly on and oppressive and a lot of like like screeching and strings and, <laughs> um oh my god so yeah i love joker okay <laughs> and okay so then best foreign language film um, we got Parasite, The Farewell, which only at the Golden Globes is considered foreign language. Um, it's not considered foreign language for the Oscars. Uh, then Portrait of a Lady on Fire from France, uh, Les Miserables, also from France, and Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. Uh, um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire kind of came and went. I really wanted to see it, and I, I feel like I saw like so many trailers It just came for out. It, and then, it's, what? It's still in theaters. It just came out. Um, oh, it just, I thought I missed it. No, oh, no, I think it's, yeah, that. it just came out. The, the problem with that one is France only was able to nominate one movie for the Oscars and they went with Les Miserables. So Portrait of a Lady on Fire doesn't have any chance of, of getting a nomination for an Oscar for a foreign language film. So I don't know that they're promoting it as much. But from what I've heard from everyone who saw it at Cannes, people are just like going crazy over that movie. They say it's so wonderful. So I can't wait to see yeah, it. Yeah, I really want to I really want to see that, but I think that, I mean, for right now, we're, I don't know, because I... I, I mean, mean, Parasite's right going to win. Par like, Parasite is a huge hit. Here. Like, everyone loved it. There's no way that that one's not winning, I think. Okay, well, then I will shut my mouth. <laughs> Wait, what were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I was going to agree with you. I was going to say Parasite mm -hmm. and, and Pain and Glory are, yeah. like, both really good, but Parasite is kind of, like, the front runner. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and then we have Best Animated Feature, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Missing Link, and The Lion King, which is honestly great shade to Disney to just be like, nope, it's an animated movie, assholes. Well, it is an animated movie. Yeah, but Disney is like claiming it's like they want it to be in the running for like real, mo like non-animated movies. And I think because they call these movies live action. They're like, oh, we're doing a live action remake of this. We're doing a live action remake of that. They're trying to like gaslight everyone into thinking that they're not an they're not actually animated movies and they are. And the Golden Globes called them on it. Um, good. Well, I'm glad the Golden Globes are taking a stand. I don't care about any of these movies. No. Uh, I Actually, the only one I haven't seen is How to Train Your Dragon because I've never seen any of the How to Train Your Dragons. And I don't love any of them. The Missing Link, Missing Link was like truly like tedious to watch. Frozen I saw the Missing I see. I only see any of these movies because I like babysit. Yeah. So I saw The Missing Link with a child. I saw Frozen 2 with a child. I thought The Missing Link was absolutely horrible. It's so boring. Um, um, I thought Frozen 2 was fine. I mean, I guess I would want Frozen 2, to, but I also haven't seen Fr Toy yeah. Story 4. Jesus Christ. I guess Toy out of, Story 4 and Frozen 2. Out of, the, out of them, I guess I like Toy Story 4 the best, but not, yeah. And there's a few um, sort of like artsier Netflix movies and a couple foreign ones that people are going to say are going to get Oscar nominations, but the Golden Globes didn't nominate any of like, because usually, you know, they'll have like one or two like cool animated movies, but not this year. What um, were the cool animated movies? There's here? one called, like, I Lost My Body. 
that is on Netflix that people say is good. And then there's one called Weathering With You, which is like a adult romance that's animated that's also on Netflix. So I think those are the ones that people think might get an Oscar nom, but I haven't seen them yet. So I don't know. Okay. Um, but I'm sure they're better than any of these, honestly. Uh, um, and that does it. That's it. That's okay, it. Cool. So, what was your favorite movie this year? Um, so yeah. right now I have Parasite at number one, but I haven't actually done my Letterboxd for Marriage Story yet. Uh-huh. I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be number two. Oh gosh, I don't know. And then. Um, and then I think I have, wait, I can actually pull it right up. So what yeah. if you didn't look at your list and you just spoke with your heart? You spoke with my heart? Uh, yeah. I don't have a heart. I only know things by, li- no, 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 no. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Pull up your list. Pull up your list. Okay. My list right now, and I don't have Marriage Story in there yet. So it's Parasite, one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, two, Waves, three, The Lighthouse, four, Hustlers 5, followed by Last Black Man in San Francisco, Under the Silver Lake, Her Smell, Three Faces, which is an amazing Iranian movie, and Climax, which is a crazy French uh, acid trip dance movie. Those are my top 10. All right. Um, Oh, but yeah, Marriage Story is definitely going in there, and who knows what else. Um, Midsummer and Us are close behind, too. Oh, yeah, Midsummer up there yeah. I think the one I think Marriage Story and Irishman and maybe the, maybe Joker sure oh wow and um are like my three favorite movies I mean Marriage Story was just so good and then Nightingale uh, oh yeah cool. you yeah I, I like Nightingale but uh right ooh right now I have to say Nightingale's at number 50 for me which Brian I should close the fucking <laughs> list you know what Nightingale's Nightingale's right behind, which is I need to probably switch it, is Nightingale's right behind Britney Runs a Marathon. But like what like how do you talk about movies like this? I don't understand. I just I don't understand your brain. I, I don't, don't know how to like I can't remember anything if I don't write it down and like I see so many movies, I just have to like I don't know. It just helps me <laughs> do it. But like I don't know. This is the difference between men and women, Aggie. Men are from Letterboxd and women are from Pinterest. I don't get it, but okay. I think I just, I'm not a ranker. Yeah, no, it's good. I get it. Do you know what number my, wait, my least favorite movie of the year, which is 170, oh no, 136 right now, is Cold Pursuit. What? Cold, Cold Pursuit, Pursuit, that Liam Neeson oh, movie. I like. I thought Cold Pursuit. Oof, I don't like it. I thought Cold Pursuit is is camp. Mm, I thought it was trying to be, but it was like so nasty and like I don't know. I didn't like it at all. It was I was angry watching that movie for some reason. Who knows? Um, I get it. It was definitely crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been yeah. talking for an hour, and this is only part of this week's podcast for me. So, Sorry, Brian. no, no, no. I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much, Aggie, for joining me on this Golden Globes. We should do a, a, a check in after the Golden Globes and see what won, and talk about the show, maybe. Yeah, and then we can rank everything that happened at the Golden Globes. <laughs> rank, exactly. I want to. I want to rank all the gowns. 
do le- yeah, letterbox yeah, for dresses. Why not? Letterboxd for everything. Um, so obviously you can listen to Aggie and me every single week over at the Goop Yourself podcast. And Aggie, do you want to plug your the new season of um, of the experts? Yeah, I have a new. I have another podcast called The Experts, and our today's Monday. I don't know when this is going to come out. It's going to come out Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Well, our new season or whatever it's called, the series actually, and it's um, we are talking about power couples. Power couples, you said? Power couples. And our first episode is about Mary Kate Olsen and her husband, Olivier Sarkozy. Wow. I just saw the podcast downloaded for me uh, early this morning, and I said, I'm going to move that to the front of the queue. I cannot wait to hear about one of my favorite celebrities of my entire life, Mary Kate Olsen, and her creepy French husband. And her husband, the, the estranged brother of the former president of France. Uh, did you did you learn anything from researching them that you didn't know before? Uh, I didn't learn anything. There's, I don't think there's anything to know that you can't just put together by knowing that their marriage exists. Yeah. But we discussed it. We got into some deep dives. We talked about their careers, their, uh, you know, where they both came from. I learned a lot. I did learn about, like, Olivier's, uh, work history, and he's worked with some interesting um, organizations that mm. may or may not have at one point had ties to Saudi Arabia. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jeffrey Epstein, but same difference. <laughs> well, actually, this is every single one of our um, episodes for this series, we are ending by uh, examining whether or not they have an Epstein connection. Perfect. But you won't know that until you get to end so listen and listen and learn can't wait uh all right thanks aggie i'll talk to you soon thank you bye i'm very pleased today to be joined by brad evans How's it going, Brad? Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Um, what's going on? Uh, not much. Yeah, just uh, uh, yeah, just a nice, nice, uh, nice November morning. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you you li- you you're from Southern California, right? Yeah, I'm from Orange County. So you're like gonna from, like from TV. Cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have to, I have to clarify it. the OC. Yeah. Um, you're going home for thanksgiving spending time yeah, with the yeah. family yeah i just gonna see uh split my time between my mom and my dad fun yeah both down there uh i'm going to orange county later today oh, to okay. go to the cantina at disneyland oh fun i haven't i haven't been to the new star wars stuff yet it's pretty shitty <laughs> we went a few weeks ago it's like have you seen pictures of it yeah. It's like this barren, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be a, like a barren wasteland, mm-hmm. but it looks like they just skimped on the, um, like the set decorating and stuff. So yeah. it seems like it would be really hot in the summer. Okay. Uh, and no but, one. Like Tatooine. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't <laughs> even know much about Star Wars. So I'm like, I okay. guess that's what it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, and no one is going to it because the main ride is not open yet. Um, so, so there's only there's going to be two rides and the one of them is open and one's not. Open. Yeah, the one that's open is it's it's like one it's like Star Tours basically. Yeah. So it's like you're just in a pod and there's like a movie playing and it shakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then I guess there's supposed to be a better ride that opens next year, but so far, <laughs> no go. It's like they've been building that thing for like nine years. You can't have more than one ride, let alone two. I think two wouldn't be that many. I think they thought that it was going to be so massively popular that they yeah. were trying to like, you know, do a soft opening and then open the main one next yeah. year. But then because the prices are so crazy, like no one besides the annual pass holders are even going. So. <laughs> Uh, except for the restaurant there is like booked every night. Okay. Um, but I guess there was a cancellation this morning. So Ooh. we have 830 reservations. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I like to start off the podcast lately by doing a little segment I like to call industry news. Uh, have you heard about the DOJ? It's planning to roll back the Paramount decrees, which are make the uh, movie studios not able to own theater chains and like that changed in I think the fifties. And so since then it would be like the big theater chains have to show, you know, movies from all the different studios. And now uh, we might roll back to a different system. <laughs> Terrifying. So this is like, this is going to roll back to like the studio system where like they own actors and stuff too. Like I, that... no, I don't think it's that. I think it's okay, like, yeah. so, so like Disney, is basically the dominant force in, you know, studio filmmaking right now. So, and right now, like, they don't own their own theater chains. Mm -hmm. But I think what would happen if this goes through is, like, Disney could open a chain of theaters and then only play their movies at (laughs) those things. And then, then, like, all the other theater chains wouldn't be able to play Disney movies. So I think, like, for the smaller studios... It doesn't really matter because they would just want their movies available as widely as possible. Yeah. But for Disney, I don't know. It might be. Yeah, they a could change. Just dominate. Yeah, especially if they have Marvel and they have. Yeah, they have they, everything. They have Pixar. Now. They have everything. Yeah, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, hopefully uh, Disney starts becoming less powerful at some point. Uh, um, our president will intervene and maybe get us to stop. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's a monopoly. It's bad. It's bad news. Uh, um, do you have Disney Plus? Uh, I haven't. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm. How is it? How is it oh, I haven't gotten it yet oh, either. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm getting it tomorrow because I'm okay. recording another one of these uh, later this week, and the guests wants the guest wants to watch a Disney Plus movie. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like one of I don't know. Do you where what streaming things do you have? I I'm on an ex boyfriend's Netflix cool. account, and then I'm on like an old college roommate's Hulu, and I think. And then a, a friend's HBO Go. That's a good like trio of of streaming services. Yeah, that gives me everything I need for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had Showtime for a month or two to watch that Kirsten Dunst show, mm-hmm. which was really good. But there's nothing else I wanted to watch on it, so I canceled. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard with those. But once they'll all bundle into. Yeah, we'll have all them at once. cable soon enough. Anyway, I mean, Showtime's now part of the same company that has uh, CBS All Access and, oh, yeah. and Pluto TV. They have like three. Oh, right. Pluto's the it, Pluto's like a free one? Yeah. Pluto's, Pluto's like live TV where there's just things that are oh, okay. playing. But I think you can also queue up stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's very strange. Oh, I also have yeah. Criterion Channel, which I like. Oh, yeah. I that's a good one. I wish I had more time to like watch those movies. Yeah. And I guess I do have the time. It's uh-huh. like more of the attention span and like, am I going to really spend time doing this? Yeah. Um, but it's nice to feel like I do have access to it if I want it. Yeah. That's like the classy one. That's like, oh, it's very, that's for very classy. <laughs> it's for, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, 
Okay. I was gonna say they gave us a little um like the people that signed up right at the beginning, they gave us a little like lanyard card saying uh-huh. uh like premier member or something. It's so stupid. Yeah. Well wow. um but I have it in my wallet and it's very precious to me. Yeah, pull it out to impress uh, <laughs> impress, <laughs> impress but, I don't even know who that bouncers and bartenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh industry oh, people, industry you know, people, yeah. the meeting be like, Oh, criterion. People you're walking by on the street totally. and move it out. But yeah, Disney owning theater. Have you ever been to El Capitan in Hollywood? Yeah. I saw, um, oh man, was it, it was one of like, oh, Mo, I think I saw Moana there or what was the one with the dead skeletons? Mm, oh, oh uh, Coco. Coco. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and they had like a little pre-show with yeah. puppets and stuff or with the people in costumes. Okay. Yeah. The pre-show. It was, it was people in costumes playing with puppets. Yeah. Cause they had, I think it was Coco because before Coco, there was like a, a frozen short yeah with the snowman from frozen mm-hmm. and then they had they had a guy like dressed up as him and he did a little dance and stuff okay yeah that's yeah so disney owns that theater i think right oh yeah they, they only they only they play only disney, show movies. disney movies but yeah they always have a pre-show me and me and a guy went to go see like inside out there years ago oh, and yeah. uh we're like running late for the movie and they hand us 3D glasses and we're like, oh no, we're not seeing this in, our, in 3D, are we? We didn't want to see it in 3D. <laughs> they're like, oh no, it's for the pre-show. Oh, and, we, shit. and we walk in and it's all, the pre-show is already in progress and it's all these like uh, people, like acrobats and like uh, uh, lycra bodysuits that are like different colors and they're all tossing giant balls around and there's this trippy background behind them and if you put the <laughs> 3D glasses on, it all appears in front of you and just like the person in front of us just gets... Uh, just gets pegged with a giant exercise ball from one of the acrobats on accident and knocks their sends their popcorn flying into the air. Like the second it happens, an employee just rushes up to the person with a brand new popcorn that's like the exact same size. It's like, we're so sorry, sir. Here you go. Here's a new popcorn. Please don't sue us. Please don't sue. But they're just like, but they knew this was going to happen and they're just waiting around with popcorns for people. Oh, it must have happened like hundreds of times before. Was the guy pissed off? Uh, he seemed fine. He was, yeah, it, it was, was, it was pr- a pretty overwhelming uh, experience, I imagine. I can't imagine. And there were, I assume, a lot of children in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was nighttime. Yeah, I think there were children. Yeah. yeah. Well, because that. I mean, it is like a great sort of old theater, mm-hmm. but it's sort of, I mean, it's that part of Hollywood that is just completely disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, I don't know that I'd want to That, that part of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah that one little <laughs> that part one of Hollywood. That one, 85% of Hollywood. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't, I wouldn't take my children there. I would, yeah. unless I had like an armored vehicle. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood Boulevard, uh, it's, a, it's a real experience. The, f- the first time I came to LA as a kid, because my family, like I'm from the Bay Area, and yeah. my family, we would go to Disneyland like every mm-hmm. couple of years or whatever, and... One time, my parents were like, let's spend a day in Hollywood. Uh-huh. And I just remember going to the Denny's on Sunset Boulevard <laughs> and then, like, just going back to the hotel and being and not being able to breathe because there was so much smog. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Yeah. It, it is funny that that's the part when people come to visit L.A. They're like, yeah, Hollywood Boulevard. It's the center of L.A. It's because it's, yeah. it's what you see in movies but it is like a place that no one who lives here ever chooses to hang out except me because i'm a sociopath well and <laughs> i mean you see you see like a wide swath of the population so, so yeah. people watching it's like a pretty good place i truly love it <laughs> uh yeah well it's like Times square in new york you're it's it's so overstimulating and well except it's like grittier than or there, there's more down and out people <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but it's it's a real interesting cross-section of tourists and scientologists sure. and superhero costume people oh my god where because i mean i've only lived here for six years but like where do you you tell people to go to the beach you tell people to go to various places but like yeah. is that there's not there's not like a central part of la where you're like oh this is 
this is the best place to stay and this is the best place to visit. Yeah, I have no idea where to tell someone to stay in a hotel. I'm like, there's little there's little places that are nice to like check out, like Griffith Park or Larchmont yeah. or something like that. But uh, yeah, the beach. But yeah, I don't know where someone would stay. It's a mystery. Yeah. Um, what are you watching lately? Has, has there been like a TV show or movie that you've seen? Yeah, I was just watching. I just finished watching uh, Losa Spookies, the oh, HBO yeah. show. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's it's great. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Uh, yeah, it's like their um, aesthetic is is just so specific. Like the influenced by sort of telenovela stuff and then yeah. like really absurdist comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool. Yeah, that, and it's like a bilingual show, which is uh, I think the first time I've seen that on like an um, like HBO an American yeah TV I don't I can't think of another example of something like that yeah there shouldn't been nothing comedy what maybe there's no. been like a drama or something yeah yeah I don't know uh yeah it's uh it's just really funny and yeah the jokes are really it's surprising so and weird um I saw Ford v Ferrari the other night oh I, I missed an opportunity to see that it I I liked it way more than I thought I would. Okay. It's like just so it hits all the beats of like that sort of old fashioned studio filmmaking. Uh-huh. And like it is very long. Matt Damon is probably totally miscast as like this like Texan dude. Uh-huh. You're like, what the fuck are you doing with their like <laughs> cowboy hat? Christian Bale is crazy as usual and yeah. he's good. And then the car racing stuff is really fun. But like I can't remember the last time. I was in a theater with mostly like older white dudes <laughs> that were just like coming their pants for this oh. movie. They loved it so much. They were oh, like no. hooting and hollering. It was like, it, it was so specifically designed for <laughs> like white dudes over 50. And I mean, the very guys who got us into this big mess exactly. in the country right now. <laughs> and like, we need to entertain them most of all right now. <laughs> they have all the power in the world. And yet, culture is slipping away from them and this yeah. is one thing that like they have and they i think that like people knew about this stuff or this guy that was like yeah. a race car driver i had no idea yeah i didn't know about him um but i think and i also saw it in burbank so i think some of the people in the theater might have like worked on the movie or oh, yeah. like known people that worked on the movie because there yeah. was one scene where some guy just screamed out, oh, it's Tony <laughs> in the middle and of like not even a scene where like anyone was talking. <laughs> it's like, like a crowd scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you want to see a lot of below below the line people in their element, go to Burbank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, this was a fun day. <laughs> um, I also saw Rebecca at the Egyptian, which oh. is another old movie palace. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like the Egyptian. Uh, it's really cool. I love the movie Rebecca. It's like um, a Hitchcock movie based on the Du Maurier novel about, uh, you know, a mysterious house and like a weird lady that runs it. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Nolan introduced the movie and it seemed like he was sort of slotted into this without having a personal connection to Rebecca because I think they were just doing they were showing it on nitrate which is like the old flammable movie stock or whatever that you could die if a fire started Uh Christopher Nolan was just hoping to get burned alive yeah I mean I'll be there real thrill for him just (laughs) to like be burned alive in front of his fans Mm -hmm. uh but he was yeah he was like uh this is Rebecca like most people don't think that this is one of Hitchcock's best but I really like it 
here you go. And that was his whole cool. speech. And, you know, it was good. Yeah, maybe he's just not a big, uh, eloquent guy. I don't know much about Christopher Nolan as a human. No, I know nothing. Never um, seen, never even seen him interview. Uh, yeah, barely know what he looks like. He is like a, you know, a doughy blonde man. Okay. With, uh, usually a blue jacket and some khaki pants. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, but he's one of the most powerful people in the world. Yeah, yeah. He's a, one of the biggest directors right now. Uh, any Oscar faves? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I still need to dive into to all the stuff. I like I liked Parasite. Yeah. Um, I like everybody. Yeah. Uh, Parasite's great. I loved The Lighthouse, even though I don't know that that one's gonna like get a lot of awards stuff. Still got to do that one. Um, and then, yeah, Ford v. Ferrari is better than I expected. That's that's interesting. I got to check it out. Uh, yeah, if you have like a long afternoon, I a couple beers might be good. <laughs> um, and then just, yeah, just like hoot it up with with the dads. Yeah, if you if you are if you are an old white man, <laughs> you will love it. <laughs> Which we will both turn into them, hopefully, God willing. Yeah, yeah. At some fingers point. crossed. If global warming doesn't kill us. Oh my God. Um. So let's get to the main event of this podcast. I sent you a list of 406 movies, a spreadsheet actually, and mm-hmm. you came back to me with a few selections, um, one of which was My Own Private Idaho, uh, 1991, Gus Van Sant. Why, Brad, did you want to watch this movie? Um, I feel like I, I always liked Gus Van Sant's movie. At some point I meant to watch all of them and I never got around to it and only There's seen a, half of them. a lot. He, 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 he works very fast. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was like a movie that a lot of like sensitive straight boys in college liked. They were like, I'm not gay, but my own private Idaho really <laughs> moved me emotionally. Oh, sure. Um, so I, I was like, I, I'm curious. I saw this movie on the list and I was like, I'm curious what these sensitive straight boys were. I, I was like, how gay is this movie? Yeah. It's sort of like more gay and less gay than you would expect. Yeah. Uh, but this is such, such like, um. A, like a tra- not transition film, but like a, uh, a a movie that you can show to, um, like you said, a sensitive straight guy, a <laughs> yeah. guy you're unsure of his sexuality, maybe you want to hook up with, uh-huh. and you just pop in my own private Idaho and see <laughs> yeah, what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had seen it. I don't like. I think I was doing something similar to you, like trying to go back and watch a lot of his movies. So yeah. I, I watched this. Yeah, probably around college or after. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, and it is, I mean, it's definitely a product of its time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I i just can't get over how beautiful Keanu Reeves is in this movie. Yeah. Because, uh, like, there's, and we'll get to it, but, like, there's the, the scene around the fire where River Phoenix is confessing his love. And, like, you know, I want to be with you. I want to kiss you. And you're just like, how many times a day must Keanu Reeves just hear this from literally every person he ever meets in his life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like you're just looking at him and you're just blinded by it. He, he just gives the same speech. That I'm, yeah, he's like, I'm uh, only gay for money. <laughs> except, <laughs> except he's an actor, not a sex worker. In exactly, real life. Yeah. but... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a heartbreaking say That that rang true to... Uh, oh my God, yeah, so many... So many... Uh, unfortunate. Un- yeah, unfortunate straight boys I was into in, <laughs> as a teen. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this movie was written and directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, came out in 1991, loosely based on Shakespeare's Henry IV, uh, and Henry V, starring River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves. Um, basically it's sort of the Henry IV story about how, uh, coming into his own power grafted on to an unrelated story about 
uh, like young hustlers in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And I was confused when I, cause I was like, I don't really know these Henry plays and like what character is River Phoenix supposed to be? And then afterwards I realized it's, that's not part of that at all. Yeah. The River Phoenix stuff with his mom feels like it's a different yeah. thing than the Shakespeare stuff. Right. I don't know. I'm not a smart guy. Uh, well, and I guess, I mean, just from reading Wikipedia this morning, yeah. it was originally like two separate screenplays that Van Sant was working on. Okay. And then, uh, According to Wikipedia, he had a meeting at 20th Century Fox with an executive who liked Shakespeare. Uh-huh. And that's what convinced him to <laughs> add the Henry IV stuff to it. Interesting. Um, and then... It's smart. He, yeah. And then he got... Like, River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves were both, you know, up-and-coming young actors at the time. And supposedly... And again, who knows if this is true. They were both concerned that the other one would like back out at the last minute. Uh-huh. So they signed their contracts like in person together <laughs> to make sure that like they would both do it. Yeah. Uh, which that, is a that, very <laughs> stupid story, but maybe it's true. One of them just bails and it's like you, you're committed mm. to shooting this and it's like the like seventh worst, like Colkin brother yeah. <laughs> starring with you. Like, yeah, who, just who would be like the nightmare option if you're like a teen or like a 20 something actor in the early nineties. Yeah, totally. And, or just like one of the, um, like the, the real, I think cause they use some like real hustlers for the, oh, yeah. the smaller the parts. Like guys, just yeah. one of those guys gets bumped up to the lead role. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. You just gotta be a, be in a trailer with this guy for <laughs> eight weeks. Uh, you get some good drugs probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so before we get to our thoughts, let's read Ooh, yeah. Paul Rowan's review. So if, uh, this is the first episode of high camp you're listening to, I stole the name of this podcast, uh, from a duo of gay film guides by amateur critic and professional librarian Paul Rowan. Um, I'm curious to hear what he thinks of this movie because most, like most of the movies that he talks about are more from classic Hollywood or even like, uh, foreign movies or something. And this is a little, maybe modern, a little avant-garde for his taste. So we'll see my own private Idaho. My Own Private Idaho, an arty, farty cult film tailor-made for pretentious snobs, is all about a pair of inarticulate, coke-snorting male prostitutes. How could such a quintessentially 60s film be made in 1991? Our callow heroes, Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix, have sundry dealings with an assortment of middle-aged male customers about whom we are obviously not intended to care. Among them is Udo Kair, Andy Warhol's Dracula, who looks commendably well-preserved. Another one is a fussy old queen who insists that you take your shoes off before you set foot in his immaculate apartment. Joan Crawford was the same way. The Keanu Reeves character ends up turning straight. He inherits a bundle of money, gets himself a girlfriend, and turns his back on all his uh, disreputable homo erstwhile buddies. So at least the movie is true to life. Reeves turns in a flamboyant quasi-Shakespearean performance that's wildly out of sync with his scuzzy neo-realist surroundings. The River Phoenix character is narcoleptic. He falls asleep whenever he thinks of his mother. I fall asleep whenever I think of this movie. <laughs> wow. Whoa. A pan. A total pan. Like yeah. Rex Reed style one star. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, because it's like he is choosing these movies. He wrote the books. So like, why? I guess why he put it in just to burn bridges with Van yeah, Sant. He just hates new queer cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Uh, Who is Andy Warhol's Dracula? Is it the guy with the lamp? The He's German the guy. Oh. Uh oh, Hans. Hans, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, he, yeah, he like I think he was known mostly for Andy Warhol's Dracula, but he was in a lot of uh like '90s indie movies as as the weird German guy. <laughs> okay. Um, 
But did he have that big scene with the lamp where he was doing like the the song, or is that was that a different uh, guy that paid, no, that paid was for sex? That was him. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a really fun sequence. What I wanted to know is that a real song? Oh yeah, I was gonna look that is up. Is that it, like Kraftwerk or something? It felt invent. It felt so fake. Yeah, like, it was so good. Like it was great. If you see one scene in uh, my own private Idaho, fast forward to Uda Kair trying to entertain. River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves by singing like his old cabaret song. Yeah. Uh, About space or something. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. That's such a, I don't know. It's such a strange, interesting scene. And like, so these guys, well, at least Keanu Reeves character in this movie is purportedly straight. Like we said earlier, he has a whole speech where he says he only sleeps with guys for money, yeah. even though he's from a rich family. So he doesn't need the money. So you're just like, why are you doing, why are you this? doing this? Yeah. Um, and then River Phoenix is, I guess, at least bisexual, if not gay, because he confesses his love to Keanu Reeves. But he also he is um, struggling financially from like a broken home and needs the money. So he's like doing this to actually survive. Uh, yeah. And then most of their clients are I mean, Udo Kair, his character has a little bit more dimension because you, you come back to him later. Yeah. But most of the older gay guys that um, are their uh, clients are portrayed in, I mean, I don't know. Like, I would almost say a homophobic way. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a product of the times. This is made in, like, you know, 1990 or whatever. But it's yeah. like, it is weird for Van Sant to <laughs> portray queer people in a homophobic way. And, like, I... I the fetishism stuff is sort of like, or they're sort of like portrayed as being like, like for it's played for laughs at times. Totally. Yeah. Especially like at the beginning, the two, so there, there's the, the guy who like needs the, the clean house yes. and like dresses yeah. him up like a little Dutch boy. Uh-huh. And then there's just like the disgusting fat guy. Yeah. And both of them, I mean, Gus Van Sant is a queer filmmaker and like, I don't know what his experience is, but yeah, it seems, it seems like he's trying to separate his good-looking young heroes whose sexuality is ambiguous or they're more, like, uh, masculine presenting mm-hmm. um, with these, like, old queens that that need mm. to pay for sex. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not true to life, but it's it's just, it's just like, a little... It's a choice. It's a choice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, yeah, it's a product of its time. But yeah, that it sort of struck me as as a little strange coming from a queer filmmaker. Uh, yeah. But that's just sort of the beginning. And then you, it sort of goes away from that and you, you get more, um, you know, different, more complex depictions of, of dudes. Yeah. There's more depth. The, the, the language in the, the review, the language turned straight. <laughs> that, like, I don't know that Keanu Reeves' character was ever not straight as far as, he, as far as he was, how he identified. I mean, he did. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, he did have sex with dudes for money when he had money. But I think, uh, might have just been to piss off his dad who he had that fraught relationship with. Yeah. Like, cause you want as, as like a gay viewer or I, or I'll just speak for myself. You want yeah. Keanu Reeves's character to be gay. Oh, or I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause he's just so beautiful. And it's like, how much are you as a viewer projecting onto him? And how much is like river Phoenix's character? Cause he does, he's very consistent throughout the movie saying I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight. Yeah. And yet, there is that question of like, why are you doing this then? Yeah. Um, but then, and it, and we'll jump to the ending cause uh, this movie has been out for almost 30 years, but like he, so they, he meets 
the girl in Italy while River Phoenix is searching for his mother and they start a relationship and then that sort of alienates him from the um, the the hustlers that he's been uh, keeping company with and then he goes back to Portland and inherits his dad's fortune and and becomes part of the straight world. Uh, and then at the very end, the last image is River Phoenix having a narcoleptic episode on the, the the road that they keep coming back to, being on the ground, and then the the camera pans out and it's this um, this long shot of him getting picked up by some dude in a car, and like to me, I wanted that to be Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And like, there's nothing that says it because his hair, like you see him in the distance, and his hair looks like it, like it could be him. It could be him, yeah. But it also could not be him. What kind of car was it? Because Keanu Reeves is rich now. Was it a very nice? It car? seemed like a nice car to me. Okay, but I don't know enough about cars. Me either. And like, I don't. Yeah, I assume that he wanted that last moment to be ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, if it was him or not, um, but it that I thought was really smart that like he he knows that you're identifying with River Phoenix's character and that Keanu Reeves is such like an object of everyone's lust uh yeah. the viewers and the characters in the movie and so you like want him to go back with with River Phoenix even though it's probably not going to happen yeah i want I, w- I want that to be who was in the car but i think i think i, I think i think that it's not i don't know it probably i is think not. it's some creep <laughs> i'm sure cuz it's like yeah, it, it doesn't make sense logically for Keanu Reeves to come back and get it. I don't know. Or like, it makes even... sense if he's like he misses his old life. And but yeah, this was the road they were on a bunch. He would yeah. go find him there. I don't know. So maybe it is. Have you looked up any theory? I didn't look up any. No, I didn't go on Reddit and and check to see what the, the my own private Idaho threads are slash my own private Idaho. <laughs> that will be. That's quite a group of people that are lurking around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm probably a little bit older than you. Do you like what was your um did you have like a relationship with either River Phoenix or Keanu Reeves as a kid? Not, not a re- like a not real physical. <laughs> yeah. They, they both uh, beat the shit out of me. Oh, Dominatrix outfits when I was three. Wow, lucky yeah, dude. I know. No, uh uh no, I don't I I really didn't. I feel like uh yeah, I think I was just a little a little young when they were kind of uh at their pro- like I, I kind of like uh you know I grew up in like the 90s during the time when like Keanu Reeves before he came back with the Matrix or whatever so he just wasn't too present I think I saw like the Bill and Ted movies as like a, a teen yeah 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 um uh R- River I didn't really I, I guess I saw Stand by Me and that's probably it okay yeah I was looking at River's IMDb I I've never seen Stand by Me and I think this might be the only movie of his I've ever seen yeah um because he he died I was uh. I was 11 when he died, I think. Okay. And so, like, I I sort of remember him, like, I remember the news of his death. Yeah. But I had no context, because he was always in, like, sort of, like, indie, artsy movies. So, as a kid, yeah. you probably, unless you'd seen Stand By Me, you probably wouldn't have seen any of them. I guess he's uh, he's in the top of that Indiana Jones playing young Harrison Ford. Oh, that's the, right. The third one. I, I'd seen that, but I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I've seen that one. Uh, but, yeah, I remember, like, I remember hearing about his death, uh... But I think if I was a few years older, he would have been like an important teen idol yeah. to some extent. I think it, so, yeah. I think both of them, yeah. Yeah, and like Keanu, I definitely cuz I definitely saw Bill and Ted and then Speed was huge when Oh, yes. when like I was however old I was, 12 or whatever. Yeah. And um and even 
like I saw like the Much Ado About Nothing movie in uh-huh. school and uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula movie. Yeah. So I feel like by the time The Matrix came out, I had just like known about him. He was like a, just a huge movie star, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I remember in my middle school, there was a rumor that Keanu Reeves was by. Uh huh. And it has to have come from this movie. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I assume Keanu Reeves is straight, uh, but I just remember, like, as a kid, that was like the one actor where people would would like whisper about. Yeah. And no one had mentioned. I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's maybe some kids that had seen this movie, but like, no one had really mentioned that. But it that must have been like the source of of the rumor. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> just not being able to distinguish from uh, movies and reality. Exactly. You, you do with that. But also, how many how many actors were playing uh, queer roles in the '90s? Like, it it was like. It was like a brave, interesting choice for both of them to make, like a risky choice. Yeah, at that moment in their careers, uh, well, I think, uh, yeah, it was it was risky for both of them. I think he, like Keanu Reeves, because he, I think, was always and is still like always, you know, struggled to be taken seriously as an actor because yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's such like a sort of a flat affect, and he's just like so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so he. I think for him doing this movie was a little bit of like street cred of like, I can do, you know, more elevated material. Mm -hmm. And then river Phoenix was, I mean, he, yeah, for those few years, he was like the hot young actor that everyone wanted to work with. Yeah. Similar to like, I don't know how Timothy Chalamet might be now of like this sort of prestige actor who's not in prestige 20. Yeah. 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 Prestige 20. Exactly. Yeah. Or like Adam driver a few years ago. Oh, totally. yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, w- I mean, it, and I, yeah, I can't bring myself back to that, that place, but uh, that time, but yeah, it, it was, yeah, brave for like young straight actors to do that uh, yeah. before, I guess like Tom Hanks played a gay role a couple years later. Yeah. And that probably like broke up when the floodgates. Yeah. Paved the way for Robin Williams or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Wait, when did Robin Williams? Birdcage. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then um, Gus Van Sant, he had done Drugstore Cowboy. Uh, Noche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is before To Die For, which is the, that was the first Gus Van Sant movie I remember just like loving yeah. when it came out. Um, and then, you know, going back and watching these. Um, but what, what did you actually, like, did you like watching this movie? What did you think of it? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think I liked it. It was a little at, t- at times I, I was a little uh, my attention drifted a bit, but uh, yeah, I, I I liked it. I thought I, I just thought it was just texturally very interesting. The performances are good. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I it didn't like blow me away. I wasn't like uh, on the edge of my seat or anything, but I, totally. Like I, I think the um, like the overlay of the Shakespearean stuff is the. Th- things that is least successful about the movie. Yeah. Like the stuff with the Falstaff character, um, it just seems like the tone is completely different and they never break into Shakespearean language, but it's it's like a like a Shakespearean rhythm or yeah. some sort of elevated flowery language. Right. And I don't buy Keanu doing it as like a I guess he's rich or whatever, but I just don't yeah. buy him. Yeah. Well, Cause he's so he's such like a a modern 
sort of west coast way of speaking so yeah. you're like oh this is a surfer dude and then, but then he get, ca- yeah. kept getting cast in like period roles for a little while right and then everyone would just like make fun of him all the time <laughs> and finally just stop doing it yeah because uh, he was yeah he was in like dangerous liaisons dracula uh like much ado about really, nothing yeah. which i i don't know i i like him doing that type mm-hmm. of language but again i don't know how much of it is just my adoration of his body and how much <laughs> is his actual skill yeah i mean even bill and ted is a period role at times that is goes, true or i guess people from the past come to them they don't yeah. go to the past but it's Never still uh <laughs> wait are they they're like doing the third one of those yeah right? i think they were they either were shooting it or how much do you think alex winter is just like calling his, his <laughs> reps over and over again being like please let's do this yeah yeah that's fine i mean he's like a, he's like a director now he's like a behind the scenes oh, okay yeah he made so, i think i think i was winter directed the smosh movie don't, oh, quote, right. don't quote me on that <laughs> sure i can see that for him yeah um yeah and like the bill and ted of our day <laughs> totally uh the i what i what i love most about this movie and i, I like a lot of like the the sort of I don't know, proto mumblecore Gus Van Sant, yeah. just like achingly looking at these boys. Uh-huh. But it's like the Pacific Northwest stuff, I think, is so um, just great as like a time capsule yeah. of like the way everyone was dressed. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't, I don't know, I feel like now there's this like grunge revival of like a specific sort of checked flannel or yeah. like a Doc Martens or whatever. And it's that's not exactly what it, what, this is like the more like real version of what people in like working class people in Seattle and Portland were actually wearing. Yeah. Um, and like there was, this stuff was so, uh, like that part of the country was just so trendy with everybody at that point. Um, and it was cool. It was just cool to see like, uh, away from like the hype machine of Nirvana or whatever. Cause they're, <laughs> they're very specifically not that type of music in the, yeah, which you would expect. Like, oh, this is 1991. This is Portland and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a lot of banjo-y uh, <laughs> covers of Osei Can You See? Or yeah, that song is. yeah, that and Udo Kier's weird song. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's a little ahead of the grunge stuff hitting. Mainstream, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, and then let's see. So. Wait, what was the first? Did you see? Did you see Parenthood as a kid? Yeah, I saw Parenthood. Okay, because that was yeah. probably the first Keanu Reeves thing I ever saw. Yeah, yeah, and you get to see it. You get to see him, you know, half naked and stuff. Yeah, and and that was Joaquin Phoenix was in that. Oh right, as, that was well, like the kid, right? Yeah, that yeah. was like my first real crush was, was Joaquin, Joaquin in okay. that movie as like a real little kid. Yeah, um, and then yeah, their thing with with Martha Plimpton. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I didn't see that until years later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my first crush was like Frankie Muniz or something like oh that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, you are younger than me then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. For, he's like a like race car bodybuilder now. Yeah, yeah, his Twitter is a real uh, real journey. Yeah, I mean, good for him, though, just to like sit on his money and not bother anyone, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's good he's not trying to, trying to come back. No, I mean, maybe at some point. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> So the part with the the brother when they go actually visit him in Idaho. Yeah. That guy had Oh yeah. like a Jersey accent or like a <laughs> lot, he was like, "Hey, you're my brother." Yeah, yeah. It was uh very strange. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what what do you think of the thing? Do you think that was his 
dad. I don't. I don't. I didn't. I don't think he was. I don't know because that that would be extremely fucked up if. Well, okay. There's two. I, that's a common thing, though. I guess is someone believing their sibling is their. If their it, parent is their sibling being raised that way. That's true. If it was just if it was just like his father, and some guy that was with his mother. But I was thinking that it it literally was his brother who had sex with his mother. Oh. But that's probably my own warped mind. Interesting. I thought that it was just that instead of his brother. Yeah, I don't You're know. You're probably right. Yeah. Because my theory is too dark to even contemplate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Oedipal stuff. You know, there's stuff where he's, it's like a, a, a woman is picking him up uh, for sex and he like flashes to his mom, right? Isn't that in there? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like weird flashbacks with with the mom yeah um and then who else do we got grace sabrisky who i love as the uh the original like older woman that picks him up yeah um, are you a twin peaks person yeah yeah, okay, yeah yeah uh because like that i don't know so much of this movie the way like the way it looked and where it was set reminded like the the tone of it's not really like twin peaks but like yeah. it just sort of reminded me of and like her presence in this is it's such a great um I don't know Did if it was an homage because it came out pretty. It's right there. Twin Peaks is like ninety ninety one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that same time. So there's, there's something about that that window of time where it's like things started to move so fast after that. Just that like pre internet. Yeah. Pre cell phone, you know. Yeah, because it it's not that long ago, and yet like no. the way people interact, even like the the scene where they go or they show the, the like sex shop and then yeah. all the, you know, all the magazines start talking to each other. Uh-huh. I'm like, Oh, that's, I guess when I was like really young, like just, I don't know, a teenager, I would, I mean, they still have them, but it's such, it was such a, the last gasp of that pre-internet uh, sex or porn culture. Yeah. And now like if there was a remake of this movie or an update, complete everything would be um would be completely different it'd all be apps and emails yeah. <laughs> grind my own private grinder uh flea is also in this yeah which, oh, wait wait who's flea he was like one of the ruffians oh the like blonde um he had like a buzz cut and it, the, the sock on his penis wait i don't even remember or no, no that. that's just the the red hot oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah uh <laughs> Yeah, he was like he was the guy that at the end just started like screaming at the the, at the funeral. funeral. Yeah, Damn. that um, funeral. What what funeral would you rather have of the two? I would love to be the type of person that would say I would like to be with the the homeless drug addicts, but yeah. I think I would feel more comfortable with the the rich businessmen. <laughs> really, I think I want the artsy. Do the, you the artsy rambunctious? Funeral. Yeah, I think that was a very. I think that dichotomy is very interesting. Yeah, because it it it, it is, felt more it, true to who the guy was. Oh, I mean, I guess they both felt true to who each person was. I think so. Because I think Keanu is, like, ultimately he is that, like, rich air guy. He yeah. is, like, playing the part of mm-hmm. of this um, this streetwalker or whatever you call him. Uh-huh. Sex, sex worker. Sex yeah. worker, yeah, that's that's the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it is, like, heartbreaking um, yeah. because, every, I don't know, everyone's had... Friendship's not exactly like that, but where there's like a moment in your life where like two people do connect and then it's only in that moment. And then like later, I don't know, everyone like people go off in their own in their own direction. And you're like, what did I even have in common with this person? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, to, I wanted I wanted him to rip off his suit and go to another funeral, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I think that's a that's a valid. Yeah, people grow apart and stuff. It's. Uh, so Brad, before we go, I ask all my guests if we were to write a third volume of High Camp, uh, what is a movie that you would want to add to the list? Is that '60s Batman movie in it? No, I don't think it is. That's oh, a great one. That's, yeah, I love I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the 1966 uh, Adam West Batman movie. I think it was made around the same time as the show. But mm-hmm. I think they, they were rerunning all those that show and that movie on TV when like in the 90s when I was growing up. And that was like, that was probably the first gay thing I ever saw. Totally, yeah. I mean, probably one of mine too. I remember like yeah. my my dad really got me into like that Batman, the yeah, 60s same. Batman show. Because they would play it like Saturday mornings or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would always be on TV. Right. Um, and then and it would like trick me. I think I, I only liked cartoons until I was like, you know, like 10 or something. But, uh, uh, the intro is a cartoon. So I'd be like, Ooh, a cartoon. Yeah, I'd be sort of disappointed when real life people would come on, but they're still in big, colorful costumes. Shocked at the transition to like real people. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, the movie is so good because you got the Joker, you got the Riddler and Catwoman. All and the, the Penguin. Oh, and the Penguin. You got yeah, four. Yeah, that's right. I just remember some scene where they're all in a submarine and they're all like just going around. They're like, nye, nye, nye. like they're all chewing scenery bigger than anybody has in sense. And I love like the the like l- when they go to the villain's lair, everything's at an angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, like this is another movie. I, I talked to uh, w- someone uh, nominated Clue a couple weeks ago. Oh, to, yeah. And that's another movie where I don't really think I understood that it was like a comedy when I was little. Yeah. Like it, Batman was it was like the villains were scary to me up into a certain point. No, yeah, I was like they're really going to kill they're going to drop him in this vat of like mashed potatoes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the it's like the cliffhanger of each episode is Who like who was that show and that movie originally for? It was for like teenage stoners or I don't know. Yeah, I think it was maybe for I mean, there was only 3 channels back then and there's only so much stuff getting made. I think it was maybe for kids and then parents to watch with kids but then they were being subversive with it yeah because like i guess like in the mid 60s there wasn't a lot of uh, tv shows and movies like specifically made for kids. i mean there was like hannah barbera cartoons and stuff yeah. but like yeah older kids and teenagers yeah. but i can't imagine that like Mad Men era parents would be into this show but i guess they grew up on like the batman comics so they would at least like know what who they were I guess it, it was one of the an early screen superhero things, so maybe it was just like exciting and yeah. dynamic, like you know. Um, but it's so uh, so obviously like making fun of it, and so yeah. so gay. Like yeah, it's very gay. Like I mean, I don't think you know Adam West wasn't gay, but like all the people that played the villains are like definitely gay. <laughs> like Cesar Romero out gay uh victor buono who i talked about last week's podcast because we talked about whatever happened to baby jane he was king tut um, oh yeah on the batman show he's like super gay yeah um or even people like eartha kit who is just like a like a you know gay people gay dudes love her yeah <laughs> um but she so the the movie it it's not eartha kit in the movie right no it's, i think um, they ran through a few cats there's like julie Cat, newmar yeah and eartha kit and one other person uh but yeah, yeah, I forget. Yeah, Cesar Romero uh, paint, painting his Joker, refusing to shave his mustache and painting his Joker <laughs> makeup over it is like such a Joaquin Phoenix could never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the new, the new Joker should be that. That'd be like so scary. I mean, there's nothing more terrifying than like painting over 
a full mustache. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing screams you are insane. Yeah. I think that's scarier than cutting your lips open. Oh my God. Heath. I'm calling you out. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> We're yeah. Uh so Caesar, Jack, Heath, Joaquin. Caesar's your favorite. I'm more of a voice of Mark Hamill. Oh, no, I'm sure. just I'm just kidding. I don't care about Mark Hamill's no. voice. I, I, I'm hey, why to... are people Okay. And I never was like that into the Batman animated series. Like yeah. I watched it a little bit, you know, um, after school or whatever. But like people, I guess because of Star Wars, are obsessed with Mark Hamill. Like why are people like he's a it's a good yeah. voice actor. It's good, but like why are people obsessed with him as the Joker? I quit taking piano lessons as a kid because I wanted to watch the Batman animated series. And they, they changed what time it was airing, <laughs> and it was right during my piano lesson. And I was just like, I don't like piano anymore. <laughs> did you tell your piano teacher that, or did you have your parents? Tell I, had my, that? I had my parents do it. I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Did they give the reason, or did they just say? Brian I don't think they. I don't think they knew it was Batman. Really, oh, was like, yeah. I was just like those out on piano, but I, I could probably. Uh, rip on a, a piano right now if I, <laughs> they hadn't changed the time Batman the cartoon was on. I love that cartoon but it is really good uh, but I was never I was never like that Joker voice I guy. know I thought anyone could do like a Joker but he's like a creepy weirdo it's guy it's like the easiest type of voice yeah. to do you get a few takes yeah I think people give Mark Hamill a lot of leeway I mean he is like a talented guy obviously but it's just people love him as um, what's his face <laughs> Luke? Luke Skywalker yeah yeah he's good he's good as Luke uh, it's got to be hard to be in that. But yeah, I mean, you can say that it's hard to be in that iconic a role and then do other stuff, but then look at Harrison Ford and uh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And Chewbacca. I mean, Chewbacca is a real chameleon. Yeah. Like, I love Chewbacca mm-hmm. in Todd Haynes' Carol. Is my favorite of his performances. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I do like, like, I did like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker yeah. more than a lot of people did, I guess. Okay, yeah. Because um, I just... I love Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, but yeah, Caesar really. I think Caesar's the best one. Yeah. Or he, I guess Heath Ledger's the best one, but he's doing a different thing. Well, and I think Heath Ledger is great. Yeah. I, I just am not. I know I talked about like basically meeting Christopher Nolan last week, but <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, not pal- a huge Christopher around. Nolan Batman. It's just he yeah. takes everything so fucking seriously. Right. Um. I don't know. But yeah, Batman the movie. Is it just called Batman the movie? It's just called, uh, yeah, either that or just Batman. Batman, yeah. Uh, but that is a great addition to the High Camp canon. And like, uh, have you seen the bomb scene at the, uh, the beach? I barely remember it. Oh, this but... is like an icon. You should just YouTube this okay. one scene after it. Everyone listening should YouTube the <laughs> scene where Adam West is to like throw a bomb into the ocean <laughs> in the middle of this crowded like uh, uh, boardwalk. It's oh, oh I see. yeah, I swear I do remember that. Um. Yeah, everything about it's great. That movie's that movie's perfect. It's really really good. Uh, all right, Brad. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, what would you like to plug anything? What have you been working on? I know um, yeah, you can just uh, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bradford Evans. Uh, I have a bunch of uh, a bunch of videos that uh me and my comedy partner Nick Sorelli and I wrote and directed on there. Um, yeah, that's about it. Just watch my videos. Cool. Watch his videos. They're really. <laughs> really funny uh thank you guys for listening you can follow the podcast at high camp pod on instagram and twitter follow my personal handles at rucker bry also on instagram and twitter uh i'll see you guys next week bye bye